I'm AJ Bianco, host of Reflect Ed, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Live. Thank you so much for joining us this beautiful Saturday morning, wherever it is that you may be. You may just be having your first sip of coffee. Maybe you're having your breakfast. Whatever the case is, thank you so much for making us part of your day. And, of course, there you go. All the gentlemen brought their coffee cups up. There we go. So I'm really excited, guys, uh, to be here today with you guys, especially with this amazing show. And as always, we know you know that My EdTech Life, we're all about connecting educators and creators one show at a time and today of course you know we're going to continue that with some amazing guests we have two amazing middle school principals and podcast hosts so they may look familiar you may see them on twitter youtube instagram and facebook if you're following them on their podcast unlock the middle i'm really excited to introduce you to chris and dean who are here joining us this morning gentlemen how are you this morning Doing great, Fonz. Thanks so much for having us on the show. It's interesting being on this side of things. I know that I'm really excited to be able to share a bit with you uh, and kick off the weekend in the right kind of way. Fonz, I'm, I'm humbled to be here, man. I said that in the pregame. This is just something that Chris and I are all about giving back. And an opportunity like this, when it comes your way, man, you jump on it and you just try to shine the best you can. So thanks for having us. Oh, I love it, gentlemen. I'm really excited to have you guys here. Like I was mentioning uh, to Chris, uh, you know, in the pregame, just, you know, watching your shows, watching the way that you interact and allowing me, like I, I was talking to Tim Cavey the other day and I said, you know, those two guys, they, they make me just like... I want to be a principal and, you know, and you may even see my comments there say, man, you guys like inspire me to be a principal and I'm not even on that track, but just the way that you do the, the your answers, the, the way you, I don't know, man, I just can't wait to get into this conversation because you guys are definitely inspiring. So I'm really excited for you to share just again, where you're coming from and of course your, your experiences. So before we get started, just add a little bit more of context here as far as, you know, for each one of you. So we'll start with Chris. Chris, let us know a little bit of a, a, your background in education or maybe falling into education as we talked in the pregame a little bit and share a little bit of your experience with us. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, non-traditional education entry um, started out in uh, business school at Nichols College, management information systems major in the early 90s uh, and had a little bit of experience working in summer camps um, with kids and saw a position uh, after graduation and figured before easing on into the big world of the workforce, I figured I'd take a gig as a summer camp uh, computer instructor. And lo and behold, in 2021, I'm still in the game of education. Um, you know, that school was uh, Eagle Hill School, uh, School for Learning Disabled uh, Children, and it provided me an opportunity to work with some uh, learners who really didn't have disabilities but had special learning abilities, uh, and it opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, entered into the world of public education as a math teacher and moved into administration back in 2005, 2006 uh, as an assistant principal. Uh, along that journey, you know, of course, met my wife and did a couple of master's degrees programs in education uh, with her. Uh, we've got, you know, three amazing kids, uh, going to be a senior, an eighth grader and a fifth grader. The eighth grader and fifth grader are actually going to be in my school uh, next year, uh, which will be an amazing experience for me. And, um, you know, back when I came to Dudley, Charlton, uh, you know, Dean uh, and I, you know, were teaching brother middle schools, you know, Dudley Middle and Charlton Middle. And one of the first things that I realized was that, and we had met previously, but uh, one thing I realized where we had very similar philosophies and mindsets around what it takes to build uh, a great school and have great engaged learners as well as uh, educators. So uh, having a colleague like Dean really allowed me to take the experiences from outside districts, bring them into my hometown district and be able to really start to operationalize some of those beliefs at a high level. Um, and then, you know, of course, a year ago and a day, um, we had our uh, release of Unlock the Middle. And that, that was a brainstorm between Dean and I around how can we give back a little and build our PLNs? 
Uh, but I don't want to steal all of Dean's thunder and talking <laughs> about that. So uh, that's just a little bit about me and my background. Oh, Chris, that's great. And so you mentioned math also as well. I started off as a math teacher as well. So that's great. You know, that math background. All right, Dean, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself too. And, and of course, your journey, how you started into or came into education and now as an administrator. Sure. You know, I, my story is pretty much similar to Chris's in a nice way. Back in the early 1990s, I started off as a history teacher, high school history teacher and a high school basketball coach. And that was my first 10 years of my journey of, into the field of education. And, and what a journey it was, because I always tell people, you know, teaching's hard. There's no doubt about it. But go be a coach in front of 2000 fans and, and all the parents and grandparents and make a decision that they don't like and try to try to survive as you walk through that. So I say everybody should have an opportunity to coach. But um, that being said, I, I was able to uh, move forward from there and be an assistant principal for six or seven years and a principal in the third decade now that I'm in education. And it just keeps going up. And I'll tell you the one thing about my career that I really love is Chris and I are in a district that really cares about people. Um, you know, it's, it's not a district where people try to come for a couple of years and leave. We're in a district where uh, it's, it's like we have to force them out and tell them retirement's okay. You make more money when you go. Um, and, and that's a great thing because not only that, but we have communities that really get involved with what we do. And man, it makes our job so, so special. I too have three kids like Chris. Uh, they're older right at this point in time. My youngest is in college as a junior. My other two daughters are out in, in the work world right now and doing their thing independently strong young women doing what they do best. And I have a wife who's also an educator in Chris's building. Um, and uh, you know what? We just live, breathe, sleep, drink education, man. And and it's what's exciting now is this is the time where it's beginning to change. And this change is going to be refreshing for a lot of people. It might be hard, but also refreshing. But there's the story, man. And I don't know how it's going to end, but it's going to end in a really nice way someday. Man, that is just so awesome. You know, just like you said, I'm, I too am excited just about the changes that are happening. I know that we've learned a lot in the 18 months and I know that a lot is going to change. And, you know, there's going to be new things that we're going to be seeing, new obstacles, uh, things that we're going to definitely improvise, adapt and overcome. And uh, so I'm really excited about that because I, like I always mention to everybody, those three words are the ones that have helped me be very successful in teaching, improvise, adapt and overcome. And that's definitely something that that I always share with all my guests and share with all our friends. But it's a great time. Honestly, I know it, often people may say like, oh, man, this is it has been hard. But I don't know. Oftentimes it's like I'm one of those that always looks for just the next thing. Like, how are we going to get in touch with our students and, you know, bring them back and, and just bring that family unit back into our and I, I consider everybody at our school's family. So it's yeah. like, hey, how are we going to bring them back? So. Thank you so much, man, just for sharing your passion and for your service in, in your community. And I'm sure that your community is definitely very, very blessed to have you. And I'm excited to get into this conversation with you guys. So as you know, I am an instructional technologist. I'm, I'm an ed tech guy. However, you know, this show is not all about ed tech, as you know, or maybe have seen a couple of episodes. It's really just about connecting and learning from others. And today I'm really excited because I definitely want to help myself learn a little bit more and see things more through the administrative lens. And maybe, you know, now I have you gentlemen here that are administrators and, you know, I have questions that I can ask you guys, you know, and from your experiences. So let's get, let's get started with that a little bit here. So my first question to you guys, and, and we'll go with Dean first and then we'll go with Chris, but what are some ways that you connect with your school community to foster effective relationships? That's a great, great question to lead in. And quite frankly, as leaders, our job is to kind of create that path where everyone's going to follow. And you get two choices when you create a path. You can create a path that's going to lead towards growth or a path that's going to lead towards just being mundane or the same or, or even in a different direction. So when you look at your leadership and your opportunities, you got to make sure that, number one, that you're, cre uh, you're creating communication platforms that are clear, crisp. Um, timely, you know, in our building, and I'm sure in Chris's as well, we get out weekly e-news me messages on the dot every Thursday, every Friday, they go out at the same time saying everything that's going on within our learning community. And I'll use that word learning community because you create that. Learning community in encompasses 
every stakeholder, whether it's teachers, whether it's students, whether it's parents, whether it's uh, community members, uh, it doesn't really matter because we are one and we're trying to sell a product that really makes everybody better, including our, our community. Uh, the use of social media, our, our good friend Josh Tovar um, on Unlock the Middle, he'll tell you, I tell you, if you're not on social media, you are way behind in the times at this point in time because every student has a phone, every parent has a phone. You can get a message out in a blink. We have our active Twitter accounts. We have our active Instagram accounts, uh, Facebook accounts. Um, you know, right now I've migrated over to TikTok. I didn't want to do that and it's ugly and it's, it's painful for me, but you know what? It's something that the kids can really connect with. So we as leaders have to find a way to find the path to all of the people who are our stakeholders. And we do it, and we do it with fidelity, we do it with heart, we do it with passion, and we do it in a way that just makes people say, these people who are sitting in the leadership roles are bringing people up. So again, we have a responsibility to our students, staff, and community, and we try to make as much, take as much opportunity as we can to make it as crisp as possible. Nice, all right, Chris. Not a lot left to say there, um, but you know we've got very similar approaches. And uh, just so you know, Dean, um, I did have a couple kids reach out to me and ask me to get a TikTok going for uh, <laughs> uh, DMS Titans. So I created the account, but I haven't yet done any of the dances. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I might get out there with the uh, with the girl challenge. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I think one of the one of the most important elements, and again, I, I echo everything that Dean said. We're very very similar in terms of approach and. Uh, when Dean has an idea that makes sense for my learning community, I'm going to go ahead and accept that and, and pick it up. But I'm also not going to remain stagnant, um, you know, with with anything. If I find something from, you know, talking to you today, Fonz, that makes a lot of sense for how we can build a stronger, more inclusive community and foster more effective relationships, I'm going to take that in. We're going to communicate that out. Maybe in the morning message to my faculty and staff every day, they get a message from me uh, in the morning. Uh, I used to call it the DMS Express, but I've migrated away from email and put it up into uh, Google Classroom Stream uh, for all the faculty and staff. So they can have one message, see one. And sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's just, hey, today's got great potential. Let's go ahead and make this a great day by making great choices, building relationships with kids. Um, but I, I think one of the most important elements at Dudley Middle School, it, it it predates me, but we want to continue legacy, right? We want to continue to build a, and foster an inclusive community. On the outside of the building, right outside the principal's office on the front facade of the building are two words and it's students first. Yep. And that mentality, it really drives everything that we do. We want to make sure that every child, every adult who walks through our building has a place. And they understand that if they're not great with athletics, guess what? They have other talents. We might be able to go ahead and get them in the art studio. We might get them on stage in the jazz band or the show choir. We might be able to go ahead and showcase their talents in the science uh, area with uh, with science uh, lab uh, activities. Uh, get them onto the math team. We want to build a community that's really inclusive. And then, much like what Dean said, through social media and email blasts, promote the heck out of the great things that are happening because we can't take for granted that our communities know what it is that we do as a school. We're so much more, especially now, than reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? We're a community center. We're a community service organization that has to give back and build. One of the other elements that's super special about fostering relationships and community at, uh, at DMS as well as CMS is the level of community service and outreach that goes on. We've got great connections with the local food shares. We've got great connections with other organizations in the town that we give back to. Our National Honor Society, our student councils go out and engage in community service. We're visible beyond the walls of the school. And both Dean and I are lucky in a way, and in some ways unlucky, but we're, we're local guys. We live in town. So when we go to the supermarket, our principal hat is always on. When we're out on the ball field coaching or umping or refing, we're representing our community. We're representing our schools. And that visibility and that connectivity helps give voice and cred to what it is that our faculty and staff are doing on a day in and day out basis. And that's the most important piece for me is acknowledging their efforts because they bust hump 
and let alone the last you know 16 months uh has been unbelievable and it's been all burdened on their backs and they did amazing work and it's important for the community to continue to remember that and reflect on that because without those folks given the uh, all in the classrooms at both dms and cms and i'm sure every school around the country uh, we wouldn't be where we are today ready to transition back uh yeah. in the coming school year Chris, yeah, I was I out to eat last night with my wife and uh, three three parents were there and I had conversations throughout dinner. So I, again, when you say you live in the communities and they were so appreciative of what we do and how our district has rolled things out and like like anywhere, nowhere is perfect, but they know genuine care and they know when people are doing things in the best interest of kids. And when you say students first, that's the model that we really we beat our drum to. You know, and that, that's something that's amazing, gentlemen, that I really enjoy, like the fact that you're local, you're there, people see you, everything that you describe, visibility, that parent engagement. And um, I've, I get to work with parents and, and do the, some of the parent engagement here in our demographic area. It's mainly English and Spanish speaking. So I have had the opportunity and it's just been just so amazing to be able to engage parents where we do Technology Tuesdays. And we have uh, meetings with parents. They come in, and then you know I talk to them, I talk them through some of the platforms that the students are using. Uh, teach them, you know, what to look out for because especially for Spanish speakers that may not have the digital literacy skills, you know, at least they're there, and I can explain it to them in Spanish. Create some visual tutorials, or now they're able to kind of see and you know kind of make that that uh, relation with, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what he said. That way they can at least kind of be, uh, you know, helpful to their students to help them out, especially if they have littles. And I think that's something that's very important. And I've been a big believer that sometimes many school districts, and, and I'm, this is just general, I'm, and I'm just saying many may not when they hear or say the word learning community, for some reason they exclude the parents. It's always going to be just teacher, staff, and administrators. <coughs> but like like you guys, reaching out, making it visible, having people, the parents see the amazing things that you're doing, that definitely engages them, their stakeholders as well. And I mean, I'm sure that they, they're proud of where their child is going and of course of the administrators and the teachers that are there. So I applaud you for that. You know, the more visible you are, the better. And you know, the, the accountability is there too as well. So yeah, man, that is amazing. I love that. All right. So let's move on to the next uh, question that I have for you here. And we're going to be talking here about <laughs> instructional leadership. So now this, 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 this question, question comes with just a little bit of a background here that many times, you know, maybe there is a perception uh, that teachers may have that say, oh, you know, once they're a principal, it's like uh, they forget what it's like to be in the classroom and things of that sort. And, you know, so for instructional leadership, what are some areas of teaching and learning that you can lead in the school? Yeah, I, I, you know, Fonz, it's a great question. And I appreciate the the. Um, Kind of the background behind the question i think one of the most important things for you know educators and and, and leaders in general uh in a school need to remember is the lens of the classroom teacher is something that we always have to be able to pull back out and look through um it, it's important for us not to you know glom on to some theory or some activity or some skill that we saw outside and said you know what every teacher in our building should be doing that um it teaching is very personalized and to be able to provide feedback in a way that acknowledges uh, areas of strength and also areas of opportunity. Um, I, I think it's really important for educators uh, and educational leaders to really understand that piece. So feedback, 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 uh, but always from a perspective of understanding. You know, if we see a strategy at work in a classroom that was really effective, we want to acknowledge that, even if it's with a sticky note and it's not in a formal observation or an evaluation. Now, the other side to this part is, is visibility and awareness, right? We don't want to be going into a classroom for the first time for an evaluation uh, in, in a supervisory capacity without actually knowing and having a good background and connection to what that classroom typically operates like, right? So we want to have a high level of visibility. Anyway, going back to the whole point, uh, I think it's really important to have an understanding about the risks that teachers take in their instruction and if they're not taking a risk it's because they might not know enough to go in a different direction so set some seeds give some ideas and give some examples maybe a colleague down the hallway has a great idea of how to create uh, a really solid open-ended question to present to kids and this teacher that we're talking to really uses a lot of closed response type questioning well we want to build their capacity 
we want to get into that coaching mindset. Uh, you know, Dean referenced earlier, uh, you know, as a coach, uh, be able to get into that classroom, provide some idea, provide some direction and provide opportunity for them to practice, but not evaluative from the perspective of being able to, you know, really require change and shift. That happens in a private conversation outside of that classroom environment. Um, but I think, you know, for me, uh, it's it's much more about being able to provide feedback from the lens of uh, active learning, uh, feedback to kids, and alternative assessment strategies. Those are kind of my big three uh, skills that I think I bring to the game a little bit uh, beyond just traditional uh, supervision and evaluation. Excellent. Dean, how about yourself? Well, listen, I'm going to go back to the adage of coaching. Um, when I accepted a leadership role, I told myself I'm no longer coaching a team of 13, 14 kids. I'm now coaching a building of 75 employees. Okay. And the most successful coaches that I know have great ability to listen, to understand, and to plant seeds and, and, and promote growth. And if you're doing those things, things are going to be good. Um, the teachers are true champions out there across the world. If you guys are listening, you guys rocked it. You guys are the reasons why we got through COVID. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm a champion of teachers. Okay. I was a teacher for 10 years plus. Okay. So I get it. I get what you went through every single day and I get the stresses that come with the job, but I will also tell you there are many more positives that come with being a teacher than the negatives. And you can, you can go either way. You can take those positives and turn them into gains and really take off and be that teacher, or you can be that teacher that stays in the middle, stays in the comfort zone and does what they're supposed to do. Or you can go to the other way and just be that teacher who's always having conversations with an administrator. And you don't want to be that because you have the choice to be great. We all have the choice to be great. Um, first and foremost, innovation and creativity. I'll say this for the day I'm done. Education is changing. You have to look and redefine yourself every single year. If you're not doing that, then you're really becoming, you're going down a one-way lane. OK, because kids deserve the best. They deserve the best from you and you deserve the best as well from yourself when you're putting out to your, your constituents or your students or your parents. And you only do that by redefining um, relationships, relationships, relationships. I don't care what anybody says. They're not going to learn math before they learn the fact that you care about them as a student. OK, we are in the people business. Uh, Chris touched upon evaluation. Yeah, you want to know something in my building? I love the evaluation tool. Guess what? It's a formality. My evaluation comes from this exchange, okay? What worked well? What didn't work well? What did I see? What did you see? How can you make those adjustments? And I love the fact of adjustments on the fly. Great teachers make those adjustments, make those gains, and make those connections with kids. It's not a tough game here, guys. It's actually a great game. If you understand, it starts with a smile. It starts with that affirmation nod. And then it's like, I want you to be here. That takes place first. Content follows. Great things happen. Oh man, that is amazing. I love it. I love it. And, you know, and it all comes back to, you know, like, like myself being a, a, in a classroom for 11 years prior to this position. I mean, oftentimes I, and again, very similar to Chris, not coming in from a traditional ed college of education at all, you know, came in from the business world. You know, it was very weird, very odd, just kind of thinking like, you know, what is it that principals do and so on? Because it was like, once I closed that door, it was like, hey, I am the master of my classroom. I'm going to go in there and teach. And I was always one of those like, man, as soon as I open that door, it's like, whom you just get swamped with all that administrative stuff and everything. But I think that once I understood that my principal knew and and like you said, you know, I understand where you're coming from, you know, then a lot of the initiatives, you know, I was like, hey, okay, you know, I, I'm behind you because I know where you're coming from. I see what you're doing. And then, you know, teachers back them up. And I think like what you guys are doing, I'm sure that you get a lot of your teachers, you know, you, backing you up because yeah. of you've been there, you have that experience and you should, it, the relationship is there. So that's, that's the, the big thing right there. So that's great. That's awesome. All right. So now talking about leadership too, as well. So the next question I have for you on embodying visionary leadership, what are you hoping teaching and learning look like in your school and how do you communicate that vision? I know we kind of hit on those points, but maybe how, maybe before coming in, did it look a little different and then you kind of change things to make it fit your vision or where did that vision come from? So let's go ahead and start with Chris first on this one. So, you know, coming into a really established culture, uh, you know, right, uh, you, you focus on honoring the, the timed and, and true uh, traditions that exist and you get a feel for the environment. 
now fortunately coming into the current school that I'm in and, and hopefully the final school that I'm in uh, is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm local. My kids have gone through the building, right? When I took over my, my daughter, uh, Molly was in eighth grade or just starting her eighth grade year. So I had experience with all, not all the teachers, but most of the teachers. I knew the culture. I knew the environment. Uh, I knew some of the instructional strengths from the kids, uh, the teachers that my daughter had had, right? So, you know, through looking at, at, at the lens there, understanding what it is that they're really good at uh, and honoring that and moving forward with the what they're really good at. Having had experiences from outside of the district, um, you know, like as a, as a principal in Shrewsbury, Mass at Oak Middle School back in 2007 to 2000. Uh, 10, we were in the process of transitioning from traditional grading to standards-based grading, right? And, uh, you know, we completely flipped the grading system, the feedback system in the classrooms, how we communicated with kids and provided feedback. So I use that as an example of something that doesn't yet exist here in, in Dudley Charlton, but it's something that we can migrate towards. I'm not saying those of you out there now, we're getting rid of grades, but what I'm saying is down the road, what is it that I hope, you know, we're able to, to look like? I hope that we're able to look like a system that is standards-based in principle uh, and in action. And by that, I mean, uh, we want grades not to be used as labels and something to achieve. We want them to be, uh, we want kids to have sustainability in their learning. We don't want them to study for the test to get the A, to get on to the honor roll at the end of the term and then forget the very important information that they should have been practicing with all along. Uh, I want them to be engaged. I want them to be connected to their learning. I want them to have a high level of connectivity. Um, so what happens in fifth grade and sixth grade, those standards should be linked to seventh grade and eighth grade. And as the kids go to high school, the skills that they use to master those standards now get applied in a very different way, uh, but at, you know, at a higher level, more content specific. I think that we need to have stronger cross content um, essential skills for learning. Uh, you know, we want kids to be critical thinkers. We want kids to pose difficult questions. We want them to uh, analyze uh, multiple perspectives, right? They can do that in all content areas. You can do it in math. You can present two possible solution paths to one open-ended question and have the kids determine the most fluid process to arrive at the solution if the solutions are the same, right? So you can engage kids at different levels, but in order to do that, we have to provide the educators in the classrooms the opportunity to understand how to operationalize those things. So vision, yeah, down the road, I'd love to be able to transform our entire system to make sure that we're cohesive across all content areas. We have common goals related to uh, those essential skills for learning. And through that, the content is going to be just, it's going to be learned naturally. Kids are curious. Teachers are excellent. Uh, we just need to provide everybody the same opportunity to present things in that, in that manner. Excellent. Dean, go ahead. I love my analytical friend, Chris, okay, because he didn't leave me with much to talk about there, but I will tell you this. I'll sum it up this way. The whole child matters, okay? I'm looking at going from good to great. I think a lot of districts across the country are doing the same thing. So again, we have a very good school system. It's, it's, it's tough and sometimes painful when you try to grow and get to that great level. And how do you define great? What does that mean? Does it mean opportunities for kids? Does it mean high level of uh, student engagement? Does it mean different passageways? Um, I love that Chris talked about critical thinking and problem solving. We think every child should be part of that. But I look at it this way. Um, if we can imagine it and we can dream about it and then we can build it, guess what happens? Kids win because then we start to morph towards what kids really need. I sometimes get a little bit saddened by the fact that we're not looking at 21st century skills for kids. We're looking at just content. Okay. Forget about it. The content will always be there and be part of what we do. How do we, how do we stretch kids? How do we make kids want to love being in school. If you master that, the learning will take care of itself, okay? Yeah, we've got our Department of Education that's telling us everything that we have to do. We understand scope and sequence. The magic lies in the methodology. The, ma the, the magic lies in how a teacher brings to the table what they're trying to teach their kids and make those kids go home and just want to come back for even more in that classroom. When I start thinking about that, I start thinking about rock star educators who are middle marvel, and we talk about middle marvels 
all the time that just bring the game. And it doesn't have to be middle mobs. It could be elementary, high school. It doesn't matter. You have the passion. You have the enthusiasm. You have the ability to adjust, create, adapt. You will be a rock star, and it will make a difference in any building. I don't care from California to Massachusetts. That is what defines what public education should be, needs to be, as we all work towards greatness. Excellent. Now, let me ask you something just from my personal experience as well. I mean, I was at one teacher whose classroom looked or seemed very chaotic, but in the end, the kids ended up having the best results. And just because of the way that I taught and like you said, you know, the content is always there. It's all in how the teacher delivers it. And I always tell my teachers, look, you guys are already, you know, rock stars in what you teach. But I always just try and uh, help them by inspiring them to just add an additional little bit of seasoning to what they already do great so they can kind of present it because it's about learning experiences. But what about like those teachers sometimes feel that, you know, just being very quiet and in order is the expectation of a principal. I mean, how do you put your teachers at ease? Maybe some first year teachers where maybe they you come in and the kids, they're all just in a line, they're rows and they're, it's just quiet and orderly. Like I've always been told, or at least I learned, it's like the quietest classrooms are kind of like, you know, uh, very scary when a classroom is very quiet. What are your thoughts on that? How do you give maybe your teachers some of that, that freedom or that comfort or autonomy within their class to, hey, just do what you do as long as you stay within the standards and so on. How do you handle those things? Uh, may I, Dean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I think through, well, first, you mentioned first-year teachers, right? In order to become a first-year educator in our building, you go through a pretty rigorous hiring process, right? And, you know, the questions that we ask kind of give us a guide to, is this person going to be willing to take risks are they willing to be an innovator? Are they able to think outside the box a little bit? It doesn't have to be you know crazy transformative. Uh, we want folks to be able to take risks, uh, and you know some of the most successful first-year teachers, and and over the last several years at, at Dudley Middle, um, all of the first-year teachers have taken at least one risk in presenting uh, a unit in an alternative way, something that hasn't been done before. You know, if we've had a veteran science teacher in the role and we've got a new science teacher who comes in, well, the veteran science teacher kind of has the unit plans laid out, right? And, um, you know, this has been working and it's been great. And that's the script, right? Nah, not necessarily. I don't know. I, won't, I don't want folks to necessarily follow a script. And you know what? If it blows up, not literally because it was a science example, but uh, hey, you know what? You learned. The kids still learned. It didn't go as planned. What are we going to do differently? What could we do differently? How could we make this be big? You know, uh, I think um, the idea of, of risk taking is, is super important. And to be able to in, embrace that risk and answer questions with, uh, I, I'm kind of a why not uh, person when somebody brings something to the table. Um, you honor everybody's experiences. A quiet classroom doesn't necessarily mean that learning uh, isn't occurring, okay? Because if I'm a classroom teacher and that's my style, that's my personality, but I have a really good relationship and I set expectations with the kids for what they're doing when the classroom is quiet, well, that's a good thing. But as a leader, it's my job to know that that's the norm and that's the culture of that environment. Uh, it's not to question um, the methodology uh, but we want to be serious about the data and the outcomes, you know, uh, and, and conversely, just because a classroom's crazy and chaotic and learning could be happening at a high level doesn't mean that it's learning in a chaotic way that's related to the standards, you know, so we have to really delve in a, a little bit and understand more about what's occurring in that environment. And I, and I think, if you don't mind me just chiming in right here, yeah. I think data and outcomes take care of themselves if you have a strong practice in place. And as a coaching mindset, I'm always thinking about that. If my practice plans are solid and I'm, I'm differentiating to meet the needs of all students, then good things are going to happen. So, uh, again, I, you can hear my dog barking in the background. I apologize right now. I don't know if someone's coming in or not. But something I wanted to say, and this is very simple, um, I, used, I do a thing called Future Stars with my new teachers, and we bring them all together in a forum, and we just talk. And, and COVID allowed us to do this because we can do it on live with video. You've got 12, 13 new teachers, first, second, third year teachers. Come on in. No holes barred. 
any conversation, any topic you want to talk about, throw it out there right now. Our job as leaders is to break down the walls of classrooms and get it out to everybody. Promote the heck out of what's going on from your greatest teachers that are out there. Make sure that your teachers that are newer are going into those classrooms, see what's going on, support that, make that happen, cover the class for those teachers, and keep building and set the bar here. If you set it here, guess what? Everything rises up. If you set the bar down here, mediocrity is not a bad thing in public education. I've seen it happen across the country, okay? You've got to be able to break that down and say what it takes to be great. Here it is. Let's shoot for it together and support the heck out of each other. It's the well, only piece I want to add there is, you know, good to great, right? You know, back back in 2005, I think, when Collins wrote Good to Great, he put out a, uh, a compendium uh, that ro rolled alongside of it called Good to Great in the Social Sector our world, right? Public educators. And one line from that, that book stood out to me. And it was, uh, it was related to the idea of if you're, if you're going from good to great, you got to understand that. And this is a paraphrase, but great is not the destination because once you've achieved that level, whatever that definition is, there's always some next layer to continue to get better at. So if you are looking to go from good to great in your school, don't be satisfied with the long-term goal that you have as your final destination. You got to continue to get better. You got to find the next level. You got to continue to drive. Pendulum of growth. Forward. Yes. Go figure. Yeah. Mm, concept. <laughs> what a concept. There we go, man. That is awesome. Thank you so much for that insight, you know, because that helps me, like I said, even coming in from like the ed tech world now, but being in the classroom, I always love to see things and hear things from a different perspective. And this really just, man, like, it's like, wow, okay. You know, like we were talking with Chris earlier, it's like, you know, there, there's kind of like a right way, you know, to do things. There's, you know, kind of somewhat that right way or, you know, the easy way and so on. And now, man, I see like you guys are like, man, principals, you really have a lot <laughs> that has to happen, a lot going on and making sure that everybody is doing what they need to do. But at the same time, man, just that encouragement, that feedback, you know, going in, you know, going in, talking to teachers. And like you said, you know, even at that time where they may be vulnerable that, man, that class, that lesson didn't go well. All right, no worries. Hey, it happens. You know, vulnerability, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's just work on that. What do we, what do we do well? What did we not do well? What can we improve on? And Take it from there. And I think that level of support is very important, very important at coming in from an administrator, you know, because oftentimes at least the perception and, you know, being in, in the classroom, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel like, man, it's like the administrators in a silo. They're just kind of like taking care of everything, all the administrative stuff and so on. But man, you guys wear so many hats. So, I mean, I applaud you guys for what it is that you're doing. But let's talk a little bit more here about uh, leadership. So let's uh, change the topic here for de developing leadership capacity. How do you build leadership in your school? I know you've kind of touched on a couple of things, but are there some specific practices that each one of you brings to your campuses, to your teachers to help develop that leadership? I guess I'll start with this one here. Uh, Chris and I both have what we call leadership teams where we have representation from each grade level where we talk and we dream, we build, and, and, and we kind of scheme together about what's good for students and, and our staff and, and our direction of our visionary plan. Uh, we both have school improvement plans that connect back to our strategic action plan of our district. So we do have a pathway for success, but I will tell you this, <clears throat> even when we're building capacity, for our, our teachers, our assistant principal, our, our counselors, our nurses, everybody in our learning community, it all starts with setting the bar up here with a common goal, okay? If, if our goal is to improve um, uh, opportunities for kids, Okay, we're all looking to do that, okay? And what we need to do when we're doing that, we need to keep an open door. We need to keep an open mind. We gotta be able to say, um, come talk to me about something you wanna try. These things are all important. Again, it goes back to the mentality of a teacher, okay? We can never forget what we used to do at that point in time. And the people who made us successful, and I can tell you firsthand, there's about five or six people in my career that helped me get to where I am today. So when I'm thinking about that, I'm saying, how can I make sure that every person in my building can get to where they want to be? Our job is not to put you in a classroom forever if that's what you want, okay? Uh, if that's what you don't want, excuse me. Um, continue your education, go get those classes. You get on the track to be an assistant principal, get on the track to be a principal, get on the track to be a counselor. I don't care, whatever you wanna do, you as the teacher or the person in the learning community hold the key to making that happen. It's called initiative, it's called grit, it's called determination. Okay, and if you have those type of people that you hire, like Chris and I, when we hire people, we look for the it factor. It's not about how much content you know, it's not about 
really those little things. It's about, do you have the ability to make a room shine? Do you have an ability to really gather people around you? Uh, because that's what great teachers do each and every day. So again, build a strong building-based culture, open door policy at all times, and find ways to disseminate material. Like in our weekly e-news that goes out to our, our staff, we have one for community and for staff, we're always putting in things, opportunities for growth. This is what it looks like. Here's what a clearly defined vision of, of, of an excellent teacher is all about. And it's not to say that you're not excellent, because what we don't know, we don't know. Even as a leader, I'm sitting here talking to you guys, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm getting takeaways. It all, I get notes all over my board right here in front of me, <clears throat> just from what we're talking about. Because sometimes as educators, we get caught in that undercurrent of what we do know. <clears throat> and stepping out of that undercurrent and swimming sideways from that, you know, that riptide makes you a stronger person. So I get excited about thinking about what tomorrow will look like. But every build, every teacher that works in my building, every not teacher, every person that works in my building has an opportunity to do, go and do anything they want to do. Come and see me. Let's talk about it. Let's help get a path to make you get there. Nice. Yeah, you know, we've got traditional roles and responsibilities, right? You know, Dean Dean hit on every staff member in his building, right? Uh, you know, if an instructional assistant or a paraprofessional has an idea of how they can engage kids uh, in a classroom or during an academic support section or an after school uh, experience, you know, again, if that why not? It makes a lot of sense. And you know what? It's something that may be simple enough to be replicated down the line, you know, from 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 a tiny pebble rolling down uh, the mountainside that can cause an absolute avalanche right so you know i'm a firm believer in in those types of opportunities so yeah we've got the formal leadership team we've got our team leaders we've got our our student support team meetings that are that are met and structured uh but you know real leadership capacity comes from uh you know wind underneath your wings i guess and you don't have to have a title in order to be a leader. So by acknowledging ideas, by acknowledging risks, by spreading the good ideas and, and extending those seeds, casting those pebbles, if you will, down the mountainside, uh, you're able to build something that could be really special. You know, uh, a simple example for, for educators who are out there, um, you know, we had we have in, in our seventh grade, we've got two separate teams, right? Um, the English language arts teachers started to work together to write a, uh, an Ed Foundation grant a couple of years ago um, related to uh, a writing activity. They wanted the kids to become uh, excellent writers. So what they did is they, they, they set the seed of a, of a school-based newspaper that would be integrated into the, the ELA classroom, but across the entire grade. So every student would learn how to write a news article. Every student would learn how to interview. Every student would put into play um, some editing skills, peer editing skills. Uh, exactly what I was talking about earlier, right? Standards-based education. You want the kids to be able to write, receive feedback, provide feedback, and then then kind of reassess and reevaluate. Um, they ended up getting this grant from the Ed Foundation, and now we've had you know a number of publications that have come out um, with articles written by kids for kids about our school and local community. Uh, but the level of engagement that occurred from that was exceptionally high. And you know, we had students of all ability levels. You know whether they came in at a, at a low ability to write uh, versus a kiddo who might've been two or three grade levels above, they all were able to contribute at a high level and work together collaboratively. So those two educators weren't necessarily leaders in the building, but I'll tell you now, they transformed the approach to writing and feedback and peer-to-peer -peer connectivity didn't exist previously. That's leadership in my book, because they took that risk, they took that idea, they put it into operation, and it's something that anybody could pick up their playbook and put it into action if they wanted to. And if somebody chooses not to, that's okay. Guess what it is? It's an opportunity to be better, to improve and to cultivate you know, student learning as well as teacher engagement. So uh, you know, as, as I sit here and think about some of the words that Dean uh, you know, put forth, um, Absolutely, 100% in agreement. Um, there's that formal leadership title, uh, but then there's the opportunities for leadership, which really provides folks with an opportunity to, to understand the bigger picture and to contribute back at a higher level than they actually thought they might be doing. And that, um, for me, is, is, is humbling. Um, as a classroom teacher, I like Dean, maybe three, four, or five real solid influences to move me into administration. 
uh, right? And I had a couple of really great mentors. Um, you know, Dean, Dean actually is one of them, uh, you know, in terms of- <laughs> You, you saying know, I'm older than you? <laughs> hey, uh, it, well, being a mentor doesn't mean you have to be older. All right, you know? I love that. Uh, you know, but uh, the having connectivity at different levels is, yeah. is really important. And being able to give folks permission um, to, to be out for a day and go engage in uh, a conference that they wish to attend. Go for it. Absolutely. We'll pick up your classroom. That's not a problem because when you come back, you're going to take your colleagues and you're going to elevate them to the next level by just a coffee talk conversation. It doesn't have to be a formal presentation to PD. You know, when I was out at this conference, I learned this, this, and this. Oh yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Oh yeah. Here's some resources for you. That's leadership. And, and, in the why not culture is something that I think more, uh, more, more educators need to embrace. Why not? Why not do this? Why not provide this opportunity? Uh, and that kind of drives me a little bit. Sometimes there's one, one piece of this I just want to clarify. So when you're in a building and you've got multiple teachers trying to climb the ladder to get to a certain place, the unfortunate part of being a leader is sometimes having to say no and that you right now you can't, but I don't ever want to say, know that you can't get there, but you got to cast a bigger net sometimes when you're looking to get that growth that you're looking for. It may not be in your school. It may not be able to get to that assistant principal's position because you got 35 people applying and it's only one person that gets it. So I want to throw that out there. That's hard from an administrative standpoint. Yeah, that, that's really great insight, guys, the way that you're, you just shared that. I mean, uh, uh, right now, I uh, made a couple of notes here, too, as far as the times and all that stuff. That way I can come back. Uh, but I wanted to ask you something here, too, as well. I mean, I know we kind of hit a little bit on it, but maybe just this isn't part of the question. I know I sent you the questions, but it just came up right now. But I just wanted to kind of paraphrase this quote and maybe just get your ideas here and maybe how you handle this. And I think uh, Dean might have just kind of, you know, hit on that maybe a little bit right now with, with his answer. But, you know, oftentimes many leaders are scared about developing people and then having them leave but it also says but shouldn't they be worried about not developing them and having them stay what are your thoughts about that we'll go with dean first that's a tough one because there's there's always a sour feeling when you don't get the position that you sought out to to, to get and those conversations at least with me i always recognize people for their growth and where they're at and they, I look at my journey in administration. I didn't get the first three or four jobs that I went for. I've, I've been applying for superintendents. I've been a finalist. So I didn't get it. So I got a choice at that point in time. I can either be sour and say, oh, well, you know what? And blame the process or blame others or say, okay, this just wasn't for me. The next one will be. I'm going to continue to make myself strong, uh, fill my skills that need to be filled and get to that level. Um, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, but again, skill sets never go away. As you create them and become better at certain things, you become better in the classroom. And that's what you have to have people understand. And that's called the internal pendulum of growth. And in the journey of education, even as leaders, even as superintendents, principals, even as cafeteria workers and custodians, you are trying to become better every single day because it serves kids and community. And that's why we do what we do. Excellent. Chris? Yeah, my, my thoughts on that, you know, for example, if I've got a if I've got an educator who came into the building and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, they teach, uh, you know, eighth grade widget making, right? And they realize that middle school isn't where they want to be. Um, and for, for whatever reason, you know, it's the, the young adolescent, they have a typical difficulty relating to them, but they really love pre-K and K. And they go and they get that credential. I'm behind them 110% because while it may be sad to lose them because they're a great educator in my building, if I know that they're going to be happier and they're going to benefit kids, I want them to be able to follow their dreams. But I also want them to be realistic about what it is that they, they want to bring to the table down the road. So we'll have that conversation. What is it that's challenging about this age group? What is it that's uh, difficult here? You know, the things that we can utilize in the classroom that might make this a little bit easier for you um, to, to remain um, and to provide them opportunities to look at the situation from different perspectives. I would rather develop someone um, who is going to be happy and project into a school environment than feel as if they're stagnate, stagnant and trapped. Now, does that mean I want all my teachers and staff members to leave and move on? Absolutely not. But being able to have the opportunity for them to grow, 
experience what they want to experience and provide and give back to kids. You know, that, that for me is, is fantastic because what's going to happen is if that, if that paraprofessional goes on to become a high school physics teacher, great. You know what? I I'm confident that that high school and those high school kids are going to have a great experience because that para developed their skills inside our building, learned from some of the best teachers that are out there and went and applied those skills in the new position that they're in. I want that to happen. I feel sad that the person leaves, but professionally, I'm fired up and excited because they've got an opportunity to give back at a high, high level. One other thing that we didn't say here, and Chris and I both subscribe to this, the balance starts at home with family. And if if we as administrators can say to you, hey, listen, get your stuff, get, get your stuff set before you come into school, because I guess what? You're going to be a better teacher because of that. Then we win. Do you need time? Do you need a day? Do you need this? Do you need that? Talk to us. You know what? We make that happen because it is family first. That is where your best employees, they're, 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 they're solid. They come in. They know when they cross the threshold. It's all about the kids right now, and they have less to worry about at home. And family first has always been something we've subscribed to as leaders in our district. Excellent. Great answers. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your insight. And then uh, just here, our final question that we have, we may be going over just a little bit, but, you know, this is just a great question that I wanted to ask you here. And I know you probably had some time maybe skimming through the questions if you thought about this. And we'll go with Chris first here. And wrong question. Nope. Sorry. Create. Here we go. Creating sustainable change. What will be your fingerprints on your building after you leave? So, Chris, let's say, you know, Futures here, and where do you see yourself in the next five years? Maybe principalship or even retirement. But what will be your fingerprints? What will you be leaving behind? Yeah, uh, you know, down the road, you know, Fonz, it's a it's a great question, but and I'm not taking an easy out here. Um, I, I I don't want my fingerprints left anywhere. Um, I want there to be you know a really strong belief that that the climate and the culture was created uh, by all the members of the learning community. And, and by that, I mean, yeah, if I have an idea and, and I bring it in, I'm not the one who's doing the lion's share of the work to make the idea happen. Uh, I'm the one who's, you know, kind of driving the ship, steering the ship, leading down the path. Um, and, and, and that's my responsibility. Um, I'm, I'm the figurehead of the building leadership, right? Uh, but that, that's not my accomplishment. That's not my, my win. That's not my victory. That's, that's the faculty, staff, parents, and kids right? So, um, you know, down the line, um, what I do hope for is that there's continued focus on the, the school community being a focus on individual strengths, um, academic, social, emotional, uh, mental, um, being able to honor every individual uh, and their strengths, and, and really uh, that the school is a place where everybody is empowered uh, and everybody feels as if they belong. And uh, we already have a great culture around that. Um, so I think sustainability of that moving forward is, is really key. You know, there are some things that I, that I hope will certainly continue down the road. Um, I hope the, um, you know, my predecessor down the line uh, maintains a social media presence. Uh, maybe by then there'll be some type of automatic, you know, intuitive connection with the, those in the audience as opposed to social media. But, you know, everything from my, you know, the silly Instagram of Mr. Star in the car, you know, where I'm sitting there in the parking lot waiting for my kids and I film a 30 second video with a message to kids to, you know, the, um, the hashtag DMS rocks, um, you know, uh, icon that we got, you know, out there, you know, uh, Everything that we do, we want folks to understand a little bit about us. And ROCK stands for, you know, being respectful, being optimistic, having high level of citizenship and collaboration, being kind and being successful. Um, so if, if we can hit those elements every single day, um, whether I'm there or not, that again, that's not me. That's that's the team. And um, that's that's really what I want to have. And I hope it wasn't an out that I that I took there. But, you know, really, that's that's what it is for me. Um, it's, it's about the team and them moving forward. Not at all. I think that that's actually just a great fingerprint right there, Chris, because as you said, like we've all had mentors and we've all had leaders that have touched us in a significant way that have helped us and equipped us and believed in us. 
And, you know, I don't think that that was an easy out at all whatsoever, (laughs) man, at all. How about you, Dean? What what would your fingerprint be on your building after you leave? Well, well, first of all, Fonz, I'm going to say that was an easy out for Chris because that was (laughs) I didn't understand his answer. But I did. I do know what he's talking about. Uh, Sorry, Chris, I have to throw that out there. Listen, (laughs) this is not about me. This is not about Chris. This is about building base culture. This is about this is about a community of learners. Um, You know, I don't know where the journey of education is going to take me. I know I love my job. I know that Sunday nights are special for me because I'm planning for the week. Um, There hasn't been a day in my 28 year career that I've not wanted to come to work. Uh, In fact, my wife will tell you that I overwork and I don't know how to shut things off. And, And that's a problem that I have that I'm dealing with. But at the end of the day, if my skill set can help a district, an organization, and or people become better at what they do, then I'm going to look for it because that's the inner drive within me. But that doesn't mean that I'm unhappy where I am because I could cruise out five years, retire here, go to another state, be a superintendent, do whatever I want to do because it's about doing what you love. First impressions matter. Remember, we're in the people business, not in the business of selling content, because that is always secondary. And more importantly, you know, if I leave or when I leave, I hope that our building at Charlton Middle School has created a welcoming community for every child that comes through the door and that that the attendance rates are off the charts, that we have very few people missing school and that we have every single support in place for every child to be successful, no matter what that is. If we get to that point, then I've done my job and we won't stop working until we get there. And that's the mark of a true leader. And again, I'm not going to celebrate myself. I'm going to celebrate the great things that everybody does in my building because by doing that, we all grow. Wow, man. You guys just really just pumped me up and I'm just so excited and thankful for you guys to be here today and just to share your insights and your journey and, you know, the advice that you gave. And it just really filled my bucket today and, and it helped me also too understand where you're coming from as an administrative role and the many hats that you wear and everything that you work with. And it really it comes down to, like you said, and you repeated this several times, it is a people business. It's about the people. And that is just amazing. So thank you guys so much. And But before we go, we got two more questions here just so we can kind of wrap up. And I like to ask Chris and Dean this question. I always ask this to my guests. So we'll go with Dean first. Dean, if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Mm, a billboard with anything on it. Don't ever stop believing, man. Just keep keep going. And because what we do is we are inspiring kids and people every single day. If you can dream it, build it, you can do it. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm a dreamer. I'm a believer. I'm an innovator. And uh, t- uh, tomorrow doesn't exist. I mean, excuse me, today doesn't exist in my tomorrow. We want to be different. We want to be we want to be that place. So and I want to be that person that helps people get there. Great question. Excellent. All right, Chris. Yeah, you know, uh, Dean went with the little journey song. Um, so <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think there's a there's a balance between two messages for me. One, I'm a huge Disney fan, right? Uh, we're a big time Disney family. Um, I love the idea of reimagining, um, reconnecting um, former ideas with with new opportunities, right? And you couple that with the idea that, um, you know, there's a quote from educator Jeff Howard that uh, I, I, I've latched on to since one of my mentors uh, shared it with me years ago. Um, you know, uh, smart is not something that you are. It is something that you get through concentrated, dedicated effort. You can achieve at high levels and become smart. So, uh, you know, kind of combining those two ideas of reimagination and working hard to get smart, um, some type of billboard like that uh, would be fantastic because it merges the possibilities with the grind and the grit that needs to happen to get there. Anything is possible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, to to go with a little Kevin Garnett um, scream. At, uh, <laughs> yeah, at there you go. Nice. All right, guys. And then the last question. So I don't know who's going to ask this or maybe both of you each may come up with your own. But I know that you guys also, again, are to our audience members that are out there, uh, Chris and Dean are the hosts of Unlock the Middle podcast. So here we go, my podcast family friends here. If you and I were to switch roles and I was a guest on your show, what would be a question that you'd like to ask me? 
<laughs> I got it. Um, you know, it's directly related to to your role, Fonz. Um, you know, as an ed tech leader in your in your district, um, you mentioned it earlier that you know you provide connections, you know, to all stakeholder groups, and you view yourself as kind of a customer service agent. Um, what is it that your advice would be to other IT professionals in education to be able to acknowledge the customer service um, as a priority, as opposed to getting locked into the real technical aspects of the IT world? Well, that's a great question. And coming in, again, from a business background, uh, I learned that it's all about customer service. It's you build that relationship. So many times you might have some i uh, you know it people that may come in and they're not very familiar with the world of education and how teachers uh, understand things or how they you know communicate so as a teacher you know i really have to know who my audience is and or as an even as an instructional tech i need to know who it is that i'm speaking to and i have to speak in their language you know teacher language and get away from all the technical terms and so on. But it, it's really putting yourself out there, not being afraid and understanding that, you know, you're gonna be working with these people for many years, you know, in the IT department and you wanna make sure that your levels of communication are there, that there is no obstacle there, that people can, just like with you gentlemen, how your teachers are able to approach you, that you as an IT specialist, instructional technologist, ed tech coach, whatever it may be, that you yourself are approachable. And keep in mind that I always tell myself, it's like, I always need to re remind myself, I need to remain approachable and I need to remain coachable. So at the same time, you know, I'm going to get feedback from my superiors and they say, hey, you might, is there any way that you can do this? Or maybe we can change this or what's working, what's not. And it's just really, again, comes down to what Dean kept saying and what you kept emphasizing too. It's a relationship. It's a, it's a people business. So, but don't be scared, you know, just go out there, put yourself out there and build those relationships and, you know, things get, a, they get a lot better. And the fact that I get to engage with curriculum and instruction, I get to engage with technology, that's also afforded me opportunities to engage with our federal programs uh, uh, director also as well, where we do the parent engagement. So it's been great that I've been able to take the position that I have and opened it up and wear many hats as well and engage with many stakeholders. And, you know, at the end, it, it's been just because of relationships and open communication. So my question is easy for you, okay? I'm not gonna make you go that deep into the weeds, but uh, what's the greatest satisfaction you get from what you do each and every day? Oh, the greatest satisfaction that I get each and every day for me is when I am able to help a teacher just feel comfortable and that they know that I am there with them. And I always tell teachers, I'm not here to change what you're doing with any tech. As a matter of fact, I'm just here to help you be possibly a little bit more efficient, maybe increase your level of effectiveness only. So I tell them, I'm just here to add a little bit of seasoning to what you already serve that you do great. And to me, my level of satisfaction is that, that a teacher just adds that additional level of seasoning and then I get an email or I get a phone call and say, hey, I tried it, check this out, this is what happened, and they just become thrilled, you know? And that to me is, man, I, I know I've done my job because that teacher feels more confident, they know that I'm there for them, but then in the end, the student also, um, you know, is able to learn something new and engage in a different learning experience. And that to me is what, really fills my bucket man <laughs> chris we got we got somebody coming on unlock the middle pretty soon check out <laughs> alfonso i think so dean okay, i think so. show we gotta set up <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well gentlemen thank you so much for your time i really appreciate y'all i know you guys uh, have a busy rest of your day you've got a lot of family activities planned and so on so thank you thank you again from the bottom of my heart just for being very sincere open transparent and inspiring to me as i have seen you guys through many shows you guys i always tell i always tell tim cavey i was like these guys make me want to be a principal uh, so maybe you know one day there might be you know principal mendoza out there you know we never know but thank you guys so much for your time i appreciate you. you all and thank just you. let us know again uh where can our audience members uh, re uh connect with you where can they find you go ahead chris 
Yeah, the easiest thing for anybody out there is to just search Unlock the Middle uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we've got a Google website out there, Unlock the Middle. Um, check us out. We've got the video archives up there that Dean keeps up uh, fantastically. Um, we've got over 150 episodes of interactions from uh, working with classroom teachers to you know national you know authors and leaders uh, in the field of education. The past year has been a whirlwind. Um, if I can, uh, Fonz, I'd just like to say to uh, Dean, my partner, happy anniversary, brother. <laughs> um, you know, we, we celebrated our one year anniversary yesterday uh, with Unlock the Middle. And uh, we're looking forward to, you know, blazing down the road. we got some great partners, um, AJ Bianco uh, being one of them, who's, you know, working uh, with our assistant principal roundtable. Uh, Josh Tovar, tremendous influence. Joe Pisha, um, great staple, you know, out there, uh, classroom uh, level folks from Jersey, you know, we got Joe Pizzo, um, who's, who's a big part and big influence on us. Um, and you know, a couple other names, I'm sure that Dean can Jennifer Engold out of yeah. New York. And uh, we've got, we've got some real good expansion ideas coming And the expansion ideas are nothing more than helping people around That's us. It. it has nothing to do with ego bravado or anything else. It's about getting better together and from an organic viewpoint. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, well, I am so excited and congratulations again, guys, on your one year. I celebrated my one year in April, uh, this last April. So it's just been great. And I'm just yeah. really excited for what you guys are planning and what you guys are doing. And uh, I'm just glad that you you are now you're part of my PLF. I always use that hashtag PLF, my personal learning family. So being uh -huh. part of my personal learning family now, you guys, anytime that you guys ever want to come back to the show, you are always more than welcome. You will always have an open invite. So anytime that you're working on any projects or any of that expansion and you want to just announce it and blast it to the world too as well, you always have an open seat here for you guys to always share share your work works both ways my friend remember thank that thank you thank you i appreciate you guys and to all our audience members that are watching us live thank you so much those of you that are going to be re-watching this or you know checking us out please make sure you visit our website at myedtech.life myedtech.life you can check out our previous 76 episodes you can check out some amazing educators education leaders creators as well as you know the show is all about bringing educators and creators together one show at a time so we're excited for what we we've been able to accomplish thanks to your support so go visit us give us a review give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you and again guys thank you thank you so much for making my tech life what it is today enjoy the rest of your saturday and don't forget my friends to stay techie y'all take care enjoy and have a wonderful wonderful rest of your saturday <laughs> <laughs>